good to be here with you this morning. I want to say thanks to Pastor Ken and to my new sister Tamara and to Pastor Ben and Emily for all they've done in terms of providing some hospitality. This morning's message is from Luke, the 17th chapter. So since we're not going to have the slides, I hope you brought your Bible. And you can pull out any kind you have, iPad, phone, whatever. But we're looking at Luke, the 17th chapter, and we're going to begin at verse 11. This morning's message is entitled, Healing Happens Through Gratitude. Healing Happens Through Gratitude. Let's pray. Most gracious God, we come before you this morning, and we say thank you. Thank you for awakening us, yes, to a new day we've never seen before. Thank you. Thank you for drawing us to this place because we realize that we wouldn't come if you didn't woo us. Thank you for wooing us. God, we invite your presence your spirit to abide in each of our hearts and our minds as we open your word. Lord, I ask that you would open our understanding that we might receive something wonderful out of your word. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. So Luke 17 and 11 begins this way. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. As I looked at this text, I like to use a, a spiritual practice called Lexio Divina. How many of you are familiar with Lexio Divina? Raise your hand for me. All right, next time we do the retreat, y'all show up that don't know what Lexio Divina is. It's a wonderful way of listening for God in Scripture. And so we sit with it meditatively and allow God to speak to us to say to us with a fresh hearing, a fresh heart, what it is that God is trying to say to us right here and right now. And so I use Lexio in many cases in preparations for my sermons just as the introductory way of saying, God, what are you saying? 
And so one of the things I often say to us when we are speaking out of the Word of God is we need to know and think about what the heck is God doing here anyway? What's this parable all about? Well, not parable. What's this story all about that he's telling about these lepers and, and the one who's come back? What is God up to? And I love the way the Life with God Bible talks about the aim of God. You see, it says the chief aim of God in all of history is the creation of an all-inclusive, loving community with God in the center as its chief sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. So you see, whenever we come to Scripture, one of the first things we can think about is, okay, God is building a community of all-inclusive people. He's teaching us how to learn, to live, to love. And so when I looked at this text, I had two main questions. Number one was, why didn't the nine come back to say thank you? And the second question is, what's the significance of the one who did? And so let's take a look at that this morning. So why didn't the nine return to say thank you? Certainly, it can be said that the nine did exactly what Jesus told them to do. He said, go and show yourselves to the priest, because this was the Jewish custom that if one had leprosy, one, uh, if they were cured, which was an odd and rare occasion, but if one was cured, they were to go to the priest, show themselves, make the offering that Moses had declared that they should make. Now, here's the deal. Lepers were considered highly contagious, and so in many cases, they were, we won't say excommunicated from the church because there are some records that indicate that lepers were indeed allowed to come and worship during, uh, on Sabbath, but they set apart from the community, if you know what I mean. Anybody in this room ever had to be apart from the community? For some of us, maybe it was on the playground that we were separated out. Maybe we didn't get picked for cheerleading or didn't get picked to be on the team. And somehow we found ourselves separated out. Maybe everybody in the division got to stay but us. We lost our job and we were separated from the community. So the reality is to be a leper meant that one was not only isolated from community, but one was also separated from one's purpose, one's sense of self, one's sense of inclusion, one's sense of whatever their employment might have been, because who was going to buy something from a leper? Jesus asked the Samaritan, who was a Gentile, are you the only one willing to give thanks. And so I want to suggest maybe the nine didn't come back because they simply lacked humility. Now, before you go pointing fingers and uh, wondering, well, what, you know, they should have come back. My goodness, if they had been isolated from their jobs and here Jesus comes and he makes all things well with them. Seems like they'd want to say thank you. But how many times have you and I received great gifts? and forgotten to say thank you, or felt we deserved whatever it was. And so we, too, found ourselves not being grateful. 
I'm guilty of this. I, I've done this, and I know what it's like. Um, it's, it's okay if you don't reflect on it. You know, you just keep rolling. But the gospel causes us to stop and pause and to reflect. And to say, okay, now, is this the kind of behavior that God is longing to create in this all-inclusive community of loving persons? Maybe they were just flat-out arrogant. Whether it's arrogance or haughtiness or egotism or conceit or superiority or pride or overconfidence, it still all boils down to one thing, a lack of humility. Arrogance says, why should I say thank you? I deserve this. I worked hard for this. Luke 9 and 23 invites us to give up our right to ourselves. Arrogance is the belief that we belong to ourselves, but as followers of Christ, we are called to deny ourselves and to want what God wants. Jesus put it this way. You remember these words. Not my will, but thy will be done. John McKiston II wrote in his book, Always Begin Again, the Benedictine way of living, that there are 12 stages of humility. And I want to highlight three of them for you this morning. The first is this. We must be on guard against despair, against fear, against bitterness, against self-seeking, and have the tenacity and the courage to think optimistically and to act kindly and to put the needs of others before our own. That is the first stage of humility, to think of others before we think of ourselves. The second stage of humility is this, to distrust our own will. Our wants are insatiable. I saw those popcorn boxes down there, and I thought, oh, they're passing out popcorn. How many of you can say, that you've ever set before a bucket of popcorn in the movies and you just ate one kernel. Our appetites, our needs, our wants, our desires are what? Insatiable. I thought about that Lay's commercial. You can't eat just one. Unfortunately for us, that insatiable um, uh, sense of ourselves often means that we feel the same way about our pleasure. We can't get enough. Our needs, we can't get enough. Our wishes, we can't have enough. And they're all merely self-interest. And the demands of self-interest are never ending. Say that with me, never ending. Never ending. I, I grew up in a feedback church. I'm going to need a little feedback. Else it'll take us that much longer to move through this. <laughs> All right, let's try it again. Never ending. I thought you could do it. Thank you. All right, now here's the third point about humility. And it's the 12th stage of humility. That's to maintain not only humble thoughts, but also an humble demeanor. Whether you're at work or on the road or in the mountains or at the market whether you're speaking, whether you're lying and rest, to maintain a humble demeanor. The nine didn't return to say thank you. 
And I think it's because they lacked humility. But what I want to say to you is this. Humility is a spiritual practice. Humility is a discipline. It's a practice that cultivates gratitude, and we can choose to practice humility. Often Dallas Willard, in his writing, one of my mentors and dear friends, has said that much of what Jesus says we can do, we can do, but we have to start with a want to do. Humility is one of those that we have to start with a want to do. The routine practice of the discipline of humility is really about honoring the other person. Humility is a habit that we can practice daily. We can grow to the point that we become our, excuse me, we can grow to the point that it becomes our nature to be both humble and grateful. Could it be that the nine didn't return because they simply forgot? Well, that's a possibility, so let's think about that for a moment. That's one of the problems that we can totally relate to, can't we? How many of you have ever gotten a gift and you said, as soon as I get home, I'm going to write a note and send it to the person and tell them thank you. And then a week later, you say, oh, I forgot to send that note. I'm going to send it tomorrow. Then six weeks later, oh, darn, today's the day I'm writing that note. And a year later, you still haven't written that note. Am I the only person? Or is this a thank you? I see the honest section is right here. These are the people who are willing to give it all up. And so what we realize is that often in our society, we find ourselves getting too busy to be courteous, too busy to be kind, too busy to be humble, too busy to be grateful. My dear friend Richard Foster, who also is one of my mentors, often says this. He says, busyness is not of the devil. Busyness is the devil. You see, Psalms 46 and 10 has the exact flip of that. And it says, be still and know that I am God. You see, if the devil can just keep us busy enough that we don't cultivate spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices that keep us connected to God, that keep us connected to love, keep us connected to gratitude. If he can just keep us busy, then we'll just be nasty people. And ultimately, we will find ourselves locked out of the all-inclusive community of loving persons where God lives in the neighborhood. So maybe they just got busy and forgot because, I mean, gracious, God had just, through Christ, given them their lives back. And so certainly, no doubt, they probably rushed to the priest to show themselves, to make the offer, and then to get back home, to let their families know what had happened, maybe. But we have no record of that. Forgetfulness happens when we've not made gratitude a habit. I think the key is for us to stop and to pause and to not just go on our way. If a simple act of gratitude can turn things back toward kingdom generosity, we're invited to make the step. Common courtesy isn't so common anymore, is it? 
But courtesy is rooted in gratitude and the making of conscious habits, and we can practice daily reinforcing those habits. Deuteronomy 6 and 12 says this, when you take it all in and settle down, find yourself pleased and content. Make sure you don't forget how you got there. God brought you. I love Deuteronomy 6 and 12 because as God was speaking to the Israelites, in verse 6 he says this, write these things down that I've given you today on your hearts. Write them on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside of your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting up at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed at night. Tie them on your hands, which the Jews literally do. They tie the promises with leather straps around their hands so that when they see themselves, they see it tied on their forehead. When they see their hands as they're working, they see the word of God tied around their hands as they're working. And so he says, inscribe them on the doorpost, on your homes and on your gates of the city. When God, your God, ushers you into the land, he promised through your ancestors the place that's going to be well furnished. The place that'll be a bustling city that you didn't build. With great mountains, bachelor and sister. Vineyards and olive orchards that you didn't plant. When you take it all in and settle down, pleased and content. Make sure you don't forget how you got here. God brought you. Have you ever heard of a gratitude journal? Raise your hand if you have. Thank you, thank you. Y'all are getting better. I tell you, more and more responsive as we go. This is beautiful. I love it. How many of you keep a gratitude journal? Raise your hand. Okay. If you don't have a gratitude journal, may I encourage you to consider doing so? No matter what how you choose to do it. It can be fancy. It can be colorful and creative. I had some slides to show you samples, but it doesn't really matter. It could be a cheap tablet that you write down. Today is November the, what is today? The 20 what? 22nd? Today is November 22nd, 11 o'clock. Pastor Ken didn't preach. We got out early. I'm grateful. However you want to do it, it doesn't really matter what kind of tablet you put it in, but I want to encourage you to begin the spiritual practice of gratitude. Let me tell you, there's something about recording for yourself how God is showing up in your life. See, because just as surely as God shows up, I'm a witness that the devil isn't far behind. And if you've got a good track record of how often God has made God's self known to you and available, then it becomes easier to trust God when you find yourself standing in the places where you have no clue as to how you're going to get out of this. And so I want to encourage you to begin a gratitude journal. Start it tonight. 
one of the things that happened for me is God has been telling me for a while, start a gratitude journal. And so our our church is doing a a series on gratitude is an attitude. And so as we were beginning the planning of that series, I said, God, you know, I know that for me, this is an area where you've been challenging me. I said, how do you want me to do this? My husband bought me this really beautiful thank you. Thank Rudy for me for that beautiful gratitude journal. Thank you. It's gorgeous. It's leather bound. It fits easily in my hand. It has this strap out of leather. It's, it, it's got wonderful handmade pages. And when he gave it to me, I said, this is going to be my gratitude journal. That's what I declare. And then I folded it up and I put it on the bookcase. And every time I walked by, I said, I'm grateful for that gratitude journal. But I never wrote in it because it was so pretty. And so I said, Lord, I want to move into this space of gratitude. Help me. What do I need to do? He said, get you a tablet and put it by your bed. Put a pen with it. I said, that I can do. So for three weeks now, I've been recording in my gratitude journal various things, some of them important, some of them maybe insignificant, but what I'm doing is cultivating the habit of saying, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for a husband who loves my dirty socks. Hey, hey, hey. If you don't know what that's like, you can't have my husband. (laughs) Find one for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all will get that on your way home. It's okay. (laughs) But I'm learning to cultivate gratitude. And so at night, right before I go to bed, I sit on the side of the bed and I reflect on my day. The reflection part is another spiritual practice. It's a spiritual discipline. When you begin to reflect on your life, you'll begin to see some patterns and some habits. And you'll begin to be able to say, Lord, I don't want to keep doing this. I did the same thing three weeks ago. At what point am I going to realize if I keep doing this, I keep, keep getting the same old kinds of results? And I don't like the results. Reflection empowers us to begin to see what we want, but also what we no longer want. So the practice of having a gratitude journal, the practice of creating space for reflection, And so in that space, as I've been writing things down, and I've been writing down stuff, man, let me tell you, I'm taking two classes. I'm working on a master's in theological studies with a focus on spiritual formation. And we have a growing congregation. We have a downtown location that has about 9,000 members. We have a congregation on the northwest side of town that we've just started about two years. It's a baby. What do I look like having a baby at my age? But the Lord said, y'all going to have a baby. You're going to name him St. John's Northwest. <laughs> and so I'm learning how to be grateful for the things that God is doing in my life, even when I didn't ask him to. So I encourage you to begin to practice the discipline of a gratitude journal to begin to practice the discipline of reflection. 
Now, the second part of this text is the, the part that um, really got me. And that is, what is the significance of the one who did return? Why was that such a big deal that Jesus would point this guy out? Repeat after me, if you will. Today. I need a little vigor with that. Today. Oh, yeah. See, that's music to my ears. Thank you. Today, I learn to give as I receive. This is the part that blew me away. You, you may not catch it right away. You have to kind of sit with it. You know, Psalms 1 says, Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the mockers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law do they meditate day and night. That word meditate comes from the word that has to do with the way a cow chews its food. It's also the word ruminate. And a cow, how many of you all know anything about cows? Raise your hand. Oh, good, there's some cow people, so I've got witnesses, all right, uh, that a cow has five chambers in its tummy because it doesn't have the same kind of digestive enzymes we do. And so that cow chews on a piece of grass, it goes in a chamber and he regurgitates it. You know, you get the picture. It keeps going till he does that five times. The picture for us is this, that every time that cow brings that up again, he's getting the, the maximum nutrients out of what's being presented as bread for the cow. God's word works the same way. The more we meditate on the word, the more God will pour out of himself and into us what nourishes our souls, what we need, what feeds us, what frees us from our compulsivity, from the things we think we just can't live without. When we begin to meditate on the word of God, God will liberate us. Say liberate us. He'll free us. Say free us. When we meditate on God's word. That's the gift he gives us. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Have you ever made a pot of soup or stew? And you're going to eat it on Saturday. And, and if you're like me, you didn't make it till Saturday. But Sunday... That stew is kick butt good. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then Monday, oh, wait, I need to be on TV with this recipe. Why? Because the longer it sits, the better it gets. God's word is the same way. The longer it sits in you and me, the better it gets in you and me. Baby, I need some water. <coughs> So here's the last part. This is what was so profound for me. It said that the ten lepers called out to Jesus in this loud voice, Master, Jesus, 
have mercy on us. And can't you just see that in your mind's eye? These guys here, Jesus is approaching into the town, and, and they're off to the side, and the word says he saw them. And then they called out to him, Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus, it didn't say Jesus approached them. Didn't say he touched them. He could have. But it simply said, he said, go, show yourselves to the priest. And so they had made a request. He responded to their request, and off they went. The word says then that one, as he was going, realized that he had been healed. And it says that he turned around, and he didn't go do what Jesus told him to do. He did what? He went back to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, thank you. I, I can't believe you did this for me. The word says he prostrated himself before Jesus. And at his feet, he just began to say, thank you. Thank you. Gracious God, thank you for binding our hearts together with yours. Binding us in our leprosy and our leprosy thoughts and our leprosy way of being and our leprosy attitudes. God, when we have acted like the leper and worse, God, when we've been the one isolating the leper. Thank you that you are willing to heal us. Thank you that you are willing to forgive us. Thank you for your grace that you pour out for us. Thank you for all the ways that you open doors to restore our souls, mind, body, and spirit. Thank you for closed doors that kept us out of trouble. Thank you. Thank you for being our heart fixer and our mind regulator. Thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Thank you for being Jehovah Rapha, our great physician. God, I don't doubt there are some people in this room who need your touch today. Perhaps there's cancer that needs your touch today, gracious God. Perhaps there's a marriage that's on rocky ground that needs your touch today. Perhaps there are children longing to be present to their parents in this busy world. Touch today. So gracious God, at your feet we are this Antioch, leprous, Samaritans. And we ask God, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And we too will be quick to return, to give you the praise, to give you the glory and the honor. And all those who would return to say thank you, say amen. God bless you.